This is Soups on Hockey. I, me, I'm Tyler Campbell. I'm the host of this little podcast. How are you all doing today? How were your holidays? Mine were adequate. Nothing too bad. Nothing too great. I had a day with Steph where we probably could have stood to kill each other, trying to get things, trying to get the house ready for our guests. That was fun. And then we had two Christmases. And we had three days of a house full of people. And that's about it. It's funny, we were civil with each other, if not much better than that, um, after we had got everything ready. That's weird how that happens. But yeah, we were we were pretty close to killing each other. And New Year's happened. New Year's was good. Stayed up later than I'd like to. That is the most overrated day of the year. I will never stop saying that. New Year's Eve, December 31st, is ridiculous. I heard from a lot of people that they went to bed early. I was jealous. I had a blast at my buddy Clarkie's. A bunch of people over. He does every year. It's a good time. But but I could could have stood to go to bed at 10.30 or 11. You know, but uh, yeah, I made it through. Here we are. This is kind of January 6th, kind of the first day. Well, the Monday, the Monday after New Year. It's kind of the first day uh, of the new year for a lot of people. I know for me, like I, I look to put off, you know, eating right and everything till today. Now I'm ready. And one of my resolutions was, hey, you haven't done a fucking podcast in a month, man. Maybe you should do that. Here I am. Here I am. New Year's resolution. Work less. And do more podcasts just for you. Just for you. All right. Where do I start? Canada won. Woo! In the words of Shooter McGavin, choke on that baby! Choke on that fine Putin! Woo! Thanks to that fucking camera, Canada won. Woo! All my buddies in Russia. How you like me now? Woo! Uh, actually, for some reason, this whole tournament, I, I was much more into this whole tournament than I was the last few years. Um, and, and I said it on Twitter, Canada and Russia felt massive this year. And you know, no doubt it was, you know, I kind of made a, you know, bit of a joke about how like maybe it had something to do with that six nothing win obviously it had something to do with that six nothing win but i think even if canada hadn't been blown out by russia or even if canada hadn't played russia previous the way the russians looked in the tournament that's why it felt bigger and something that has gone a little bit under the radar here in the last few years russia's reworked their program and Russia was really never that far down, but the Russians are coming. And I mean, 
we should have known this and, and kind of did know this in the 2018 draft that this crop of Russians were going to be really difficult to beat at, at the 2020 World Juniors. I mean, that, you know, we talk all the time about, like, well, Canada didn't have this guy and that guy. Remember, Russia didn't have Andrei Svechnikov. And the Russians were the better team. The better team did not win this. Russia imploded. Now, like, the dude is puck hitting the camera and not and not being a... What a joke. What a fucking joke. I sure as hell hope that the International Ice Hockey Federation, Rene Fassell... I sure hope that he amends that rule because if that was even the right rule by the refs, because, man, like, that was terrible. That was absolutely terrible. But I will say this, again, something else I said on Twitter. Try to not follow me on Twitter if you listen to this podcast so that it's all fresh information. Like, one thing I'll say, though, is the Russians put themselves in that position. Boys, you were up 3-1 with under 10 minutes to play. Dana White always would say to his fighters on The Ultimate Fighter, when I used to watch The Ultimate Fighter, The Ultimate Fighter's not going anymore, but I used to love watching The Ultimate Fighter. Dana White always said this, don't leave it in the hands of the judges. And essentially, Russia left it in the hands of the judges, or in this case, the referees. And you can't do that. You just cannot do that. Letting Canada back into the game like they did. You know, there were a lot of chances for the Think about all the power plays the Russians had early. Didn't capitalize. They did eventually get a power play goal. But Russia had ample opportunity on the power play. Did not cash. They were the better team, I thought, five on five. Did not cash. Well, they cashed twice. But they, they didn't cash as much as they could have. Like they had, what were the scoring chances or the home plate numbers going into the third period? I think they were 11 5 for the Russians. I can't remember which stat that was that TSM pointed out, but it was 11 5. It was, it, it was just another one of those stats that made it clear the Russians are the better team in this game. Canada's not doing anything. And then, you know, you get a pucking off the foot and it's 3 2. And then you get a power play, and Barrett Hayden makes it 3-3. And Barrett Hayden, wow. Wow. That, wow. Remember when the Arizona Coyotes reached on him at 5? Like, of course you don't. (laughs) Everybody just forgot about that. Like, yeah, he probably wasn't worth the fifth pick. And it's a long ways to go in his development. We always, like, jeez, we always have to remember that with these World Junior kids. People, including myself, are terrible for that. But let's not overlook what, like, how great that was on his part. And, yeah, and, you know, Akeel Thomas, too. I didn't have Akeel Thomas in my notes. Getting the game-winning goal looked pretty solid all tournament. He's a kid I was sky high on in 2018. You know, and I this is a this is essentially just an Oilers podcast most of the time. This is one of those 
Uh, you know, I'm probably not going to be talking too much other than the Canada win, the draft, and Oilers. Yeah, a little bit of prospect talk. But again, that's talking World Juniors. So, uh, yeah, the, the Oilers took Ryan McLeod over Akeel Thomas. Uh, I like Ryan McLeod because of that speed. Like, it's, I'm a very staunch believer these days in building a team. You have to make sure that you have at least four puck movers on your blue line, if not everyone, and you have to be fast as fuck. Like, those are the two things that you absolutely should make sure your team can do, is skate and move the puck. And so Ryan McLeod with that speed, that fits that bill. But Akeel Thomas can skate, and Akeel Thomas can make plays. Akeel Thomas isn't a center, even though he's been playing center. But Ryan McLeod's probably not a center, even though he was playing center. I'm not sure where Bakersfield's using it. Anyway, yeah, Akeel Thomas, I just got reminded in that tournament what a fan I am of his game. And he wasn't great for the whole tournament, but obviously that fourth goal was pretty big. It was pretty big. And what can you say about Alexei Lafreniere? Like, um, he cemented himself as a top prospect in this tournament. And it's funny, you know, I'll talk a lot about SPR and because we, you know, do some work together and do podcasts together. And I had messaged him on Twitter about three weeks ago, and I said, man, I'm actually considering all three of Quentin Byfield, Jamie Drysdale, and Marco Rossi ahead of Lefrenier. Now, before you start calling me a moron, I actually have, it wasn't because I was down on Lefrenier at all, but it was just that I could make a case for all three of those guys. And I know it's insane now. I, I have amended that opinion. But in the moment, Byfield's numbers were and are ahead of Lafreniere's last season. Keep in mind, Byfield's a year younger. Jamie Drysdale, <laughs> Jamie Drysdale might be ahead of Quentin Byfield right now and looks like a franchise defenseman. Like Jamie Drysdale wasn't getting a lot of time in the second and third period in the gold medal game, but Dale Hunter was using him more than a normal number seven defenseman, and he was holding his own. And then Marco Rossi is not only a center, but has a very strong 200-foot game and is outproducing Lafreniere this season. So you could you can literally make a legitimate case for all three. But the two things I got reminded of in the tournament was, A, Lafreniere is a center playing the wing in junior. It's ironic because of where he plays, Ramuski, same, but it's the same as Sid. People forget Sid Crosby didn't play the middle in junior. He played the left side with Marc-Antoine Pouliot. And then, of course, at the World Juniors, he played the left side with Patrice Bergeron, and I believe on the right side was Corey Perry. Not a bad line. Not a bad line. That 2005 team, it's weird how we thought in the moment 
this is probably the best team ever because it was the best team ever. That's weird how you think things like that in those moments. Fuck, that 2005 team was good. No goaltending whatsoever. Didn't need it. Jeff Glass was fine. I shouldn't shit on Jeff Glass like that, but... eh. Um, You know, it's like having Mark Vizantine in net. You know, they essentially won with Mark Vizantine in goal. Maybe not that bad, but... Sorry to Mark Vizantine if you're listening. I know you're a big fan. So anyway... I'm drafting Lafreniere as a center. I it's just I he's a center. He's a center. I don't care where you use him. And in junior, you don't have to use him at center because he can he can line up anywhere. He's going to dominate anyone, any team no matter where he lines up. It does not matter. He's going to overwhelm everyone. Ramuski's probably going to come out of the queue this year because of that. Like, it's just he's unstoppable. So it doesn't matter where you want to line him up. In the pros, I I really believe you use him at center. You know, a guy that is just now being used at center that I wondered out loud for years why he wasn't the exception to the rule and why he wasn't being moved to the middle was Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler, to me, the size, the speed, the the uh, playmaking ability, the IQ, the you know the, the defensive game. Like Blake Wheeler, literally had it all as a winger to play center, and like I didn't. It's you know it's not like I was coming on this podcast and I was beating the drum for the Winnipeg Jets to move Blake Wheeler to the middle. But I would just always think, like, the guy just seems like if David Backus can do it, Blake Wheeler's better than David Backus. And now Blake Wheeler's playing the middle, and he looks more than comfortable playing the middle. Lafreniere should play the middle in the pros. I don't see, you know, I kind of have a tough time deciding on who he most reminds me of because... I think I want to say Taylor Hall, but then as soon as you say Taylor Hall, people are oh, he's a winger then. Well, no. I mean, I've I said the same things about Taylor Hall, that Taylor Hall should have played the middle. And the Oilers tried playing Taylor Hall in the middle, and he simply refused to play the middle. How, how sick are you going to be by the end of this podcast of me saying the middle? Don't get me wrong, I'm not advocating to watch the TV show The Middle. Ha, 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 that's an awful fucking joke. But, you know, the other guy that I kind of get reminded of with Lafreniere is, is Eric Stahl. And he's not quite as big as Eric Stahl, but a very, very similar game in the skating ability, the way he can protect the puck, the playmaking ability... Yeah, he's terrific. He's got a terrific shot. You know, there's a lot of Eric Stahl there. Now, the other thing, B, with Alexei Lafreniere, is that as high as I am on all three of those studs out of the OHO, when you prove 
that you can elevate your game to as high of a level as Lafreniere showed at the World Juniors. Like, you just have to take that guy number one. Now, lots can change. You know, like, the World Juniors just simply concludes the first half of the scouting season. We still got the prospects game coming up, CHL playoffs, U18s, Memorial Cup. It's all still to come. But so far, that's how I would say it stands. Like I'm working on my top 32 right now, but as of this podcast, my top 10 goes Lafreniere, Byfield, Drysdale, and that one I'm on the fence about. I'm starting to come around to my buddy Sean's way of thinking. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm coming around to it, but like I'm definitely torn on Byfield versus Drysdale. Uh, Rossi at four, Askarov at five, which I hesitate putting a goaltender in my top five, but Askarov looks like a franchise goaltender. And I just, I kind of said the same things with Ilya Samsonov in 2015, that I, I get the risk of taking goaltenders high, but like, how do I put this? It's not like they all bust. <laughs> Carey Price is the last guy to go top five for goaltenders. He's been okay. Marc-Andre Fleury went first overall. He's been okay. And I know he had some ups and downs. But for the most part, Marc-Andre Fleury going one, was it that bad of a move over Eric Stahl? Was it that bad of a move over Nathan Horton? Was it that bad of a move over Nikolai Zhirdev? Like people forget, as good as that old 3 draft was, out of that top four, the only person, the only player you could argue for ahead of Mark Andre, and that was a that was a very divided top four of that draft. The thing that was said with the top four in that draft was every team got the guy they had ranked number one. So the Penguins had Flurry ranked number one. The Hurricanes had Eric Stahl ranked number one. The Florida Panthers had Nathan Horton ranked number one, and the Columbus Blue Jackets had Nikolai Zhirdev ranked number one. The only guy that you can say, well, maybe they should have taken him instead was Eric Stahl. And, I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury, he won a cup in Pittsburgh. He led the Golden Knights to a Stanley Cup final appearance, a team that had no... They were there because of Marc-Andre Fleury. He had the best save percentage of any goaltender in the history of the Stanley Cup playoffs through three rounds. Okay, he was pretty good. So, when you're talking to Skarov, top five, I don't think it's that far-fetched. Will he bust? Yeah, he might. Look at the goaltenders that have been coming out of Russia, though. Vasilevsky was a first-round pick. He's been okay. Samsonov, he's the backup with the Caps right now and looks pretty damn good to the point where we might see Braden Holtby walk this summer. You know, the New York Rangers got two guys right now, Georgiev and Shostroykin, if I'm saying that right, who just got called up this morning. So Russia has turned into the goaltending factory and the best Russian prospect to come along out of all these goaltenders is Askarov. So 
How do you pass on him at five? You know, I, I'm picking three centers, at least in my mind, again, and a stud defenseman in front of him. So Skarov at five, Lucas Raymond at six, which that one will, you know, you'll get a lot of people that'll be saying I'm an idiot for that one, but I love Lucas Raymond. And he would be a top three pick in most drafts. This draft's a little different. Stutzel's at seven for me. I love Tim Stutzel. Big fan. Big fan. The only question I have on Stutzel uh, is if he can play center. See, I think of him as a center as well. And that's why I'm a big fan. I could even maybe suggest Stutzel should be ahead of Raymond. The The one thing with Stutzel versus Raymond that I'll say is Stutzel playing for Germany. He gets a lot more of a chance to show what he can do. Raymond's not going to get that chance for the Swedes and didn't. So anyway, Anton Lundell at, at eight, who unfortunately had to miss the world juniors for Finland. Uh, Alexander Holtz at nine, who, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of snipers in the draft, but Holtz is a sniper who can do multiple things. Like he has that speed. Like I compare him to Marion Gabrick. Like he's, yeah, Marion Gabrick was a sniper, but he had amazing wheels and there was a lot more to Marion Gabrick's game. You know, you look at Marion Gabrick versus Danny Heatley, you know, all day I'm taking Marion Gabrick because Marion Gabrick can do a lot more than Danny Heatley. Danny Heatley was just a sniper, a terrific sniper, but just a sniper, which kind of brings me to Cole Perfetti at 10 because uh, that's kind of how I see Cole Perfetti, not not as, as a guy who just has maybe less of a ceiling than Holtz. Um, you know, Cole Perfetti's back to play in the middle in Saginaw, and I think it was Mark Edwards who had that on Twitter and said that he prefers that. Uh, yeah, it's funny with Perfetti, I talk about comparisons. I have Perfetti as my comparison is Joel Pavelski. And Joe Pavelski's been a guy who's bounced back and forth between the middle and the wing. The thing with Joe Pavelski is it's not so much that he can't play the middle. It's that I prefer him on the wing. Yes, he can play the middle and he's effective in the middle. But the best of Joe Pavelski is when he's playing the wing. That's how I see Cole Perfetti. Cole Perfetti can play center, but... He's probably going to be better on the wing. Mark Edwards, whose opinion I value very, very much, especially on OHL kids, Mark Edwards prefers him in the middle. So that'll be interesting to watch going ahead and definitely not a detriment to Cole Perfetti if he does prove to be better playing center than playing the wing. Uh, one thing I got to say, going back to the World Juniors for a bit and getting and my number two prospect at this very moment, and this could change, that list could change before I write it. Like, th th this is just how it stands today. But, like, I see some guys crushing Quentin Byfield for his World Junior performance. Like, remember, this time last year, Lafreniere looked like nothing special. And Byfield's damn near a full year younger. I think it's 10 months. He's an August birthday. Lafreniere's an October, October 11th, I believe. You know, at the same age, Jonathan Taves didn't really do anything. 
as by you know the same age as Byfield. And then he put on a show similar to Lafreniere the next season. Next season, I don't think Quentin Byfield's going to be at the World Juniors. I think he's going to be with an NHL club. Quentin Byfield maybe should be at the World Juniors next year, but he's going to fall into that that area, that gray area that the NHL and their next CBA bad and I don't even know if it's a CBA issue. I think it is, but they Badly need to address this with the CHL. Badly. The CHL needs to get off this prehistoric mindset that they need to have these stars because they, you know, there is a simple way to rectify this. You, you make, I, I mean, I would be very comfortable if all first rounders were made available after they were drafted to go to the AHL. But I realize that's highly unlikely. And there's a lot of first-rounders that really benefit going back to junior. So my suggestion would be to start, you at least get top five picks have the are eligible to go to the AHL. If top five picks are eligible to go to the AHL and then the teams who draft them maybe pay those junior teams a fee, maybe it's maybe it's $300,000. I am totally just coming up with an arbitrary number. So it, it, it still incentivizes the junior teams to pick those studs really high in their draft. Plus, they're going to get a financial benefit. And think about this. If, if you own a junior team, if you're, say, Bruce Hamilton out in Kelowna, and you're, and you're told that, that's better than what you've got now. Think about the Saskatoon Blades. Think of Priestners in Saskatoon. Well, they're not in Saskatoon. They're in Edmonton. But call them Priestners in Saskatoon, running things, because his dad's rich. And he... <laughs> he is better off getting money from the Chicago Blackhawks than having Kirby Doc. Because the Chicago Blackhawks don't want to send Kirby Doc back to Saskatoon because they're sitting there saying, well, he's actually better off playing for us than he would be going back to Saskatoon. Kirby Doc, where Kirby Doc should be right now, is the AHL. So all we're doing is fucking with these kids' development. That's all we're doing. Because the Chicago Blackhawks are going, well... If he goes back to Saskatoon, it's not helping him. So he's better off playing here, even though we're rushing him. And that's going to be the same thing with Quentin Byfield, man. Quentin Byfield's got a lot of rawness to him. He puts up terrific numbers right now. Quite frankly, eye-popping numbers. But Quentin Byfield... It has a lot of his game to refine. And he would do that if he could go to the AHL. Instead, whoever drafts him at two or three next or this June, they're going to keep him and try to develop him up there. But the only kids, and again, going back to the World Junior thing, the only kids who were at 17 put on a show 
were Crosby and McDavid. And even in those cases, they were not the standalone stars of their team. Sid had a loaded World Junior team. McDavid's team, if you remember, the first line on Connor's team was Max Domi, Anthony Duclair, and I'm trying to think who was in the middle for them. Someone really good. Was it Sam Reinhardt? I kind of think it was Sam Reinhardt. Like, it wasn't Connor McDavid. Now, in fairness, McDavid was coming off that injury. Anyway, just keep that in mind. With Byfield. And I've come to the conclusion that with the World Juniors, you just you don't shit on anybody for the World Juniors. Praise the good. Praise the good. But don't shit on kids who are shitty at the World Juniors or at any international tournament, quite frankly, because like you know, we kill we kill these kids for the poor ones. But there's so much dysfunction that goes on with a World Juniors, with a Helenka, not less so with a Helenka Gretzky, but with an under eight U, uh, U18s. It, there's so much dysfunction. It's a couple weeks out of their season where they get a brand new head coach, brand new teammates, and we're expecting them to be the exact same player. Come on. It is an organizational mess. You know, and it's not to say Hockey Canada, the organization, is a mess. But it's just, I guess dysfunction's a better word. There's so much dysfunction that goes into them. New teammates, new coaches. In the case of the World Juniors this year, new country, new environment. And it's only three weeks out of their se- season. Fuck, with the U18s, only two weeks out of their season. Because they get no training camp. So we need to kind of chill on these events. I'm not saying you can't watch a player and scout him, purely scout the player, but to say, well, he had a shit performance, I'm going to knock him way down my board because of it, eh, kind of dumb. Like, one example of someone who was great at the World Juniors, or the not at the World Juniors, at the U18s, who didn't do anything, Travis Awanek. All you Edmonton Oilers fans out there and Edmonton hockey fans in general, you remember Travis Awanek. Travis Awanek, the word on Travis Awanek coming out of the U18s in 2011 was nobody boosted their stock more in the draft than Travis Awanek. You know what Travis Awanek was? Not even a suspect by the time he got to the AHL. Wasn't even a suspect, let alone prospect. Nothing close. Nothing close to being an NHL player. So just that's kind of becoming my new rule is praise the good. You you can praise the good, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to the World Juniors. You know, Quentin Byfield is the perfect example. Like this kid is dominating the OHL dominating (laughs) and I know Marco Rossi's passed him in points and he's played less games I love Marco Rossi but let's keep in mind Marco Rossi has a year on Quentin Byfield too you know so Quentin Byfield the thing that has to be remembered with Quentin Byfield had to be remembered with Kirby Doc has to be remembered 
with Philip Broberg when it comes to Oilers prospects. They're very raw. That's part that's known when these teams are drafting them is there's so much to develop. And that's intriguing. That's tough to pass on. That's really tough to pass on. Anyway, on to the Oilers and the roller coaster season continues. That game in Boston on Saturday was outstanding. You got to remember a couple things, though. Couple things, bud, as one of my old coaches used to say. Couple things, bud. One, Bruins are slumping. Bruins have not been the same team in about the last month. Uh, probably because it's gotten boring for them. They were blitzing the league, and there was no challenge. There was no challenge. Like, you know, you come out of the gate storming like that. Uh, everybody knows you're a cup. Can- like, what do you have to prove? So you get into the middle of the season. These have to be dog days for the Boston Bruins. Pretty tough to get up for games when at that point, I think they had an eight-point lead in the Atlantic. And they still have a six-point lead. You know, like, what did they lose? You know, are you fighting with Washington for home ice? Okay, I, I guess. Does home ice really mean that much in the NHL anymore? Not really. So, keep that in mind. Bruins are slumping. Two, just as important, the Bruins have the flu running through their room right now. I'm not looking to shit on the Oilers for Saturday at all. But just just don't forget, or just keep in mind, that while this looked like the best game of the season for the Edmonton Oilers, there were a couple reasons why it looked like the best game. Because if the Boston Bruins are playing their best game, the Edmonton Oilers are not beating them. Very, very, very unlikely that the Oilers would beat the Bruins at their best. So this was not the Bruins at their best. Let's not forget, too, up until Jake DeBrus turned that puck over, it looked like the Oilers weren't getting a bounce. And then all of a sudden, Jake DeBrus turned the puck over. They got a bounce there. They got a bounce on the nurse goal. Like, you know, some things happened to help the Oilers win this game. But having said all that, Having said all that, it is a massive confidence boost for this, or should be a massive confidence boost for that hockey club. Like, regardless of it all, the Bruins, that Bruins win has to be a massive boost to confidence. No team goes in there and wins in regulation. Sorry that I repeated myself three times. I'm kind of looking at my notes and kind of talking off the top of my head as I do this. So, yeah, that was shitty. But, but like, and they looked awful getting three points in their previous two games. But, like, Saturday they were full value. They, they, they didn't, nothing went wrong in that game, but they played pretty airtight as well. Not too many passenger performances in that one. Maybe Jujar Kara. Um, speaking of whom, not that I'm going to talk much about Kara, but the big cry is for to get Tyler Benson up right now. And I, I couldn't agree more. 
Benson is ready to at least get a three- or four-game look. And then if he doesn't work, fine. He goes back to Bakersfield. But give him the audition. And the other thing it does is it frees up ice time for guys who need it. Like Ryan McLeod isn't getting a lot of ice time down there right now. Kirill Maximov's only played in 11 games this season. Kirill Maximov, for having played in 11 games this season, and for a kid who's playing in, I believe, their bottom six in Bakersfield, five points in 11 games, pretty good. Pretty good. He's a rookie in pro hockey, and he's hardly getting any ice time on a loaded team. He's only played 11 games, yet he's still managed to put home nearly 0.5 points per game, and he, he's been coming on more of late. So I'm guessing that will get he'll get to at least 0.5 and beyond it. I'm still a big believer in Kirill Maximov. I, you know, he's probably going to need most of next season, but I think this time next season we could be clamor or fans could be clamoring for Kirill Maximov to come up the same way that they're clamoring for Benson to come up right now. It could be the case. Not saying it will be the case, but it could be the case. Um, so, yeah, I, I really think Benson needs to have at least a look up here because if he can even have – Kyler Yamamoto hasn't been that good. But Yamamoto's just been competent as a top six player. That's all they need. Tyler Benson comes up here. I am fully confident that Tyler Benson can be at least competent. From all accounts, his play away from the puck has gotten a lot stronger this season. 200-foot game, a lot stronger this season. I am a staunch believer in playmakers over, you know, like I read, I read Low Tide this morning. I think it was from this morning. And he said something to the effect of, well, Benson needs to shoot the puck more. Al seems to have a thing for wanting to guys who just shoot, 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 shoot. I don't know if it's an analytics thing or not. And I've heard him say high-volume shooters a lot before. Uh, guys, playmakers work with playmakers. Shooters don't work with shooters. Playmakers thrive in the NHL. Shoot first. You go look at the. I'll get to Cole Caulfield in a bit, but go look at the 2017 draft and two guys who were high volume shooters, quote unquote, in that draft class were Ellie Tolvanen, who Corey Promen just thought was going to be amazing, had him fourth overall, and Owen Tippett, who a lot of people thought was a top 10 pick, slam dunk, whatever. Uh, I mean, it, guys who are, how do I put it, not well-rounded in junior, and they're going to be, they're not going to be, they're not going to develop that in pro hockey. If they can't play a complete game in junior, why would they then be able to do so in the NHL? Tyler Benson, sure, he could learn how to shoot. He's a playmaker, and playmakers can play with other playmakers. You know what Tyler Benson can do? He can create scoring chances. I think Tyler Benson is eventually going, 
he's going to surprise people in the NHL because as good as he's been in the AHL, just imagine what he'll be like when he's got more guys playing with him that think the game on the same wavelength that he does. You've heard a, you've heard a lot of guys say this over the years. The game's easier for them in the NHL than it is at the AHL, and it's easier for them in the AHL than it might be in junior because guys guys think the same way they do. Benson puts up nearly point per game numbers in the AHL. He he's gonna do that, or he might be able to do that in the NHL. Point per game, I shouldn't say point per game, but he's going to be productive in the NHL. The only concern is the wheels, and yeah, he's not a great skater, but he's not a terrible skater. He can get there. You know, when you when you talk about Benson not being a good skater, it's more along the lines of James Neal, and he's maybe a better skater than James Neal. Like, not better skater, but maybe a little quicker. You know, like, James Neal's not a great skater, but Milan Lucic isn't a great skater. They're not great skaters in different ways. Neal doesn't have the high-end speed, but Neal can get up to speed and has a lot better lateral movement and a lot more quickness than Lucic did. Lucic, once he got up to high speed, or, you know, does get up to high speed, then Lucic isn't a bad skater. But Lucic can't cut to save his life. Lucic takes 20 years getting up to top speed. Benson doesn't have those issues. He's, he's more along the lines of the type of bad skater, quote-unquote, that Neil is. But that's not... To me, that means he can play fast. He's just not fast himself, which is fine. When you've got the vision that Tyler Benson has, that's fine. Tyler Benson, his IQ, off the charts. Hockey smarts, off the charts. He is going to be fine. And I think you're, you're going to see over the years, he's going to end up playing on Connor McDavid's wing, and he's going to thrive there. That's my opinion. So get him up, Ken Holland. Speaking of Ken Holland, he came out this morning on Fan 590 in Toronto and said, quote, when you have Connor McDavid, the window is now. The time is now. Personally, I'm not a big fan of hearing this, and it's completely contrary to the way I believed Holland was operating this season. But I guess we'll see. If Benson can come up and deliver, and then they were to add, say, John Gabriel Pajot, and maybe also add a competent third goalie in case Smith falters again. Hello, Georgiev, who might be on the move as early as today with Shostroykin coming up. Fuck, that would be a good-looking team. That would be a real good-looking team. And going back to tonight, this would be a massive... Like I think they're going to get shit-kicked tonight. I just, I just think we better be honest about it. They're probably going to get pumped in Toronto. Toronto is the hottest team in the league, and Toronto owns them. I don't know when was the last time they won in Toronto. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. They didn't win in 2016 in Toronto. Maybe in 2015? Eh, I don't think so. 
but maybe. Lost in overtime in 2014. Game they should have won. Devin Dubnik just shit the bed that night. It was terrible. Um, 2013, they didn't play. 2012, it might have been 2011. That might be the last, off the top of my head, that might be the last time they won in Toronto. When Taylor Hall, Jordan Eberle, Nick Habibulin started in goal, they went in there and pumped them. Yeah, the Leafs weren't that great of a team at the time. (laughs) But they pumped them. That might have been the last time they won in Toronto. But if... If they can win tonight in Toronto, I don't care how you win. If you can win. Back-to-back wins in Boston and Toronto right now, confidence level of this hockey club would go through the roof. And while I'm not ready to declare on this roller coaster type season, oh, they're back after they've won two of three in points and three straight and everything. I'm not willing to say that, but I am willing to say... This team looks a lot more set up front. They're starting to get pretty good production from Riley Shan and Josh Archibald on that line. I'd like to see Joe Kim Nygaard stay with them, but I'll take what I can get. And then if Benson comes up, maybe you move one of Neil or Cassian down to that line with Shan and Archibald. Although if it's Cassian who plays the left side, yeah, you know, you get into that. But, you know, like all of a sudden things look a lot better. By the way, moving Cassian down in the lineup might not and off McDavid's line. Not a bad thing. Not a bad idea for Ken Holland right now. Have Cassian have a terrible season where he'll still be productive in the bottom six. He'll still contribute and everything, but his stats would definitely take a hit. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. (sighs) Yeah, it'd be massive. It would be massive if the Oilers won tonight. I don't think there's any chance of that happening, but it would be massive. Um, You know, looking at their blue line, like, I would love to know what in the bloody fuck the coaching staff was thinking a couple games ago putting Nurse with Russell. Like, Nurse has been struggling, so you take him away from his safety net. Do I got that right? Like, Darnell Nurse, more than any other defenseman on the club, needs a puck mover playing with him. And I'm not sure if it's tip or if it's playfair making these calls. I think it's playfair. But that is just so wrong. Like, remember at the start of the season, he had Nurse with Larson? Or, sorry, Nurse with Larson. (laughs) I said that wrong. But, (laughs) like, but neither guy can move the fucking puck well. And a lot of fans are concerned with Nurse's puck moving ability. As a guy who fully admit I'm a Darnell Nurse homer, I've been sky high on the kids since before they drafted him, that does concern me that his puck moving hasn't really progressed. But much more troubling for me with Nurse is that he isn't trending towards being a shutdown D-man. 
Like with the tools that guy has, we should be getting excited by now with Nurse becoming a beast in his own zone and someone who can be thrown out against the elite offensive players in the league. And he's not close to that guy. And he's closing in on his 25th birthday. I believe this, you know, it's in February. I think February 2nd or something like that. It's February. I know that. Uh, Like, I've always been the first to point out with Nurse. OHL Scholastic Player of the Year in his draft year. Intelligent and a thoughtful guy in all his interviews. Like, the dude is smart. I don't question his IQ as a person. But I do start to worry that this is never going to translate. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that. And, like, again, you know, in fairness, look at a player like Clefbaum, who we all believe has a very high IQ, and he's made some of the most... (laughs) What's the right word? I was going to say brain dead. You know. (laughs) Like, he's been an absolute fucking moron the last five weeks or so. Not in the last couple games, but... Jeez, Oscar Clefbaum's made some horrific plays in the last five games. He's been, you know, hasn't been. Like, I hope he's playing with an injury because Oscar Clefbaum just has not looked good. Why does this fucking app not block phone calls? Fuck me. That is such a piss-off. This app is great for doing podcasts. Awesome. No need to go buy equipment. The microphone on this thing on these phones works phenomenal. There's no need. There's no need. But yet a phone call comes in and it cuts the podcast off. What the fuck? Uh, <sighs> And the person who's calling me won't listen to this, but fuck, bud, we don't need to talk right now. (laughs) This guy's been calling me and calling me and calling me and calling me and calling me. And I do talk to him sometimes. But he just is under the impression that, like, we just need to talk nonstop. Holy shit. Anyway, I won't say any more than that. Uh, where was I? Literally, where was I? Um, I think I ranted about Oscar Clefbaum, and that probably got on there. I don't know as of recording this, but yeah, Oscar Clefbaum hasn't had a good season, but Nurse hasn't had a good season either. And I'm gonna, and I'm not liking right now. You know, taking a, you know, the, with Nurse playing so bad, it kind of makes me take a second look. Or in this, like, you know, for the season anyway, as to where Nurse is. And then I look at the contract, and I'll say this right now. Like, the price I'd pay for him is dropping by the day. At the start of the season, probably late October, I probably would have told you, I'll go as high as seven on him. He's trending the right way. But then you take a step back and you go, "Uh, they don't, they're not in a bad position with him. They can, they can afford to take a stance with him. Like the max I'd go right now on Darnell Nurse is 6.25 on an eight-year deal, which is the Josh Morrissey deal. And it might be less than that. He's just okay offensively. He's just okay defensively. He's below average at moving the puck. 
yes, the potential is there to be a star. And I can argue that all day, that he is going to be a guy who will pop closer to 30 the way Brent Burns did. Yeah, I don't believe I got into this with a guy on Twitter one day about a month ago, maybe not even three weeks ago or so. Uh, You know, he thought I was suggesting that they pay him for his potential, and I wasn't. You pay him for now. I just am a strong believer that that's going to be a value contract down the road because I just think that he's not going to be the norm. He's got... He's got... Too many tools in his arsenal. Does that make sense? Too many tools in his toolbox, maybe? I don't know. But he's got too much going for him to where he's topped out as a player. And I I just think he's going... Eventually, the IQ is going to translate to the ice because, again, he's a smart dude. And I think once the IQ translates to the ice... Combined with the skills that he has, look out. kids. And that's the way it happened for Brent Burns. Brent Burns, for years, I argued with my buddies, who were big Brent Burns fans. Ironically, they're not as big a Darnell Nurse fans. But for years, they would tell me, Brent Burns is amazing. And I'd say, what the fuck does Brent Burns do? Brent Burns, remember, Brent Burns in Minnesota was fine, but he definitely wasn't what he could have been. Brent Burns went to San Jose, and even the first couple years in San Jose really wasn't that good. And I think it was 2013, maybe 2014, when Brent Burns finally started to pop. 28-29. Darnell Nurse is about to turn 25. Similar size, similar skating ability, similar struggles. I'm not like, but for me, I've always thought that the way the offense came for Brent Burns is the way the defense will come for Darnell Nurse. But man, like, that's what should come for Nurse, and it hasn't. And that's troubling. That goal Max Domi got on the Oilers, where he danced, like, that, Jesus, fuck. Like, what was that? The night before, sent that pass over to Ethan Bear that should not have even been thought of to be passed. It should have been puck in deep, simple play. Instead, he tries to force a pass over to Bear. The pass gets there, but it's 90 feet off the ice and gives Bear no chance to pick it up. So not only is it a very high-risk, low-reward pass, it's a garbage pass that Bear can't handle. Stupid, stupid, stupid mistakes from a really, really, really smart dude. Like, I, I have been as big of a homer for the guy as you'll find, as, as there is in, out of any Oiler fans. I'm a massive homer. I, I think the guy has the ability, I truly do, think that he has the ability to become a number one defenseman in the league. All the tools are there. Name it. He has the ability. The things that he doesn't have can be developed. 
You know, like even his puck moving ability. Not that he'll ever be Eric Carlson. Not at all to suggest that. But his puck moving ability can definitely improve. But he just, man, it, it's it's getting worrisome with him. It's getting worrisome with him. And uh, so I would take that staunch, that hard line approach with him. And eventually I think you will get him signed. The Morrissey deal is more than fair. And, but I mean, if he doesn't want to take that, like I, I know Caleb Jones hasn't looked great so far, but Jones has played either on his offside in the top four with Clefbaum, who again has not played well, or with Russell, who's bringing everyone down that he plays with aside from Benning. Like, Jones has top four ability, mainly because of how well he skates, but, I mean, we haven't got to see this guy's offensive ability yet. I, I would... Part of the reason I think Caleb Jones is struggling is because they're not allowing him to play his game. Caleb Jones, when he's jumping into the play and making moves off the blue line and stuff, he's he's got top four ability. And paired with a guy like maybe Adam Larson, I could see those skill sets blending perfectly. And so personally, I'm not afraid to take that staunch approach with Darnell Nurse and roll with Caleb Jones as the number four guy next season. And then obviously you'd trade Nurse. Uh, the value, the trade value of Darnell Nurse would be through the roof. But I'm going to go back to the, that's enough for the Oilers for now. Well, I'm not enough, nah, not enough for the Oilers. But I wanted to talk before I'm done with today's podcast about, you know, the Oilers at the World Juniors. And I can't help but think back. Bob Stoffer released his top 10 prospects prior to the tournament, and he had Olivier Rodrigue sixth. And I was asking myself at the time, how? He is badly underachieved since they drafted him. This kid's numbers should have been approaching Carter Hart's junior numbers by now. Like if he was this good if he was worth where they drafted him. Because he's actually a smaller goaltender than Carter Hart. Similar size, though. Similar. And has maybe more athletic ability, pure athletic ability than Carter Hart has, or had at the time. He is nowhere near the Oilers' sixth best prospect right now, and in fact looks more like a wasted pick that I feared it was when they traded up to 62 to take the son of a team employee. Not that I'm bitter about it. Like, sixth? Come on. Come on. Because he was Team Canada's third goaltender? Nico Dawes shit the bed and he couldn't even replace him as the backup. Like, Dale Hunter, Mark Hunter, they wanted nothing to do with even seeing what he could do. When the team's goaltending after the Russia game looked in complete shambles. By the way, Joel Holfer, thank you. Your country thanks you. Because not many people are talking about Joel Holfer today. Joel Holfer was outstanding against the Russians 
and was outstanding in the tournament. He's forgotten in this. Joel Hofer saved Canada's gold medal. Sorry for the pun. <laughs> anyway, Stoffer also had Lavoie at five, and, and that one's justified. But he never had Kirill Maximov in his top ten, I think maybe once. Maybe once. I'm trying to remember it because I think he does them once a month. Um, like there's virtually no difference between those two kids. Maximov had a better, slightly better 18-year-old season. Lavois having a slightly better 19-year-old season. Both are big. Both are okay but not great skaters. Both have incredible shots. Both are terrific on the wall and down low. There's no difference. Yet Lavois five. And Maximov couldn't get close to five in Stoffer's eyes, quote, end quote. I say quote, end quote, because it's not to shit on Bob. And I'll, I'll go back to when I was at 1260, like this was 15 years ago now. Hell, 16 years ago now. Bob was really good to me. And the word I got from some of the ops that were hanging around there was Bob was actually way better to me than he was to anyone else because I was like the first guy who came in who really knew sports. And so Bob was always like awesome to me. And it's not to, it's not to like shit on Bob as a person at all. But I just think, you know, and I, I don't know that it's Bob's call to put these lists out, but if this is like the, the vibe I get from Bob is he's got this insatiable desire to be the authority on all things hockey in Edmonton. Well, with Bob's schedule, he kind of can't be. <laughs> like, never criticize how hard the guy works. The guy works his balls off. It's no criticism at all. But I don't think Bob is his – it's kind of crazy. Like, I, I, he's putting out a top 10 list. If I'm putting out a top 10 list of the other's prospects, I'm wanting to do a little bit of homework and not just blindly saying, ah, Olivier Rodrigue, he made Team Canada. He's got to be really high. He's sixth. No, Olivier Rodrigue's been underwhelming in the queue the last two years and couldn't even crack Canada's top two goaltenders. So no, Olivier, Olivier Rodrigue, sorry, Freudian slip there, is, uh, <laughs> is not the sixth-ranked prospect for the Oilers right now. And in fairness to both, in fairness to both of these cases, the system is a little more depleted now with Bear up, and he might have had Jones off the list when he put it out too. But those are still two, two ridiculous examples. Ridiculous. And all I ask out of people in general is for consistency. I have a piece I'm finishing up right now called Soups on Hockey. Or sorry. <laughs> oh, fuck. Am I going to get through this podcast without sounding like a complete moron? Like, I know I'm a moron, but just I don't want to be a complete one. I'm finishing up a piece, a blog, I should say, called Soups on Scouting. I, I, original title, I know. And I want to put it out before I do my next top 32 prospect list. And in the months, because I'm going to be doing, you know, in the months to follow, going to be doing a lot of lists, 
top 32 will probably evolve into top 50, top 62, hopefully top 75. Depends on how much time. I'm, things are going to get really busy for me here in the next couple of months. But um, that's what I'm hoping to do. And then I'm hopefully going to do a lot of mock drafts too. I want to put that blog out so I can simply point to it when I'm doing my rankings, saying, you, you want to know why I rank a guy the way I do? Here you go. And if people then want to say I'm hypocritical on shit, by all means, point it out. Say, hey, you're hypocritical, and here's why. You put this in your article, yet you've got this guy ahead of this guy. And that's I'm cool with that. I am very cool with that. I have no problem being wrong about shit. I'm wrong all the time. Check my next WHL rankings. They're looking like they're going to be upside down from the last ones. Uh, You know, Braden Schneider. Since I did that last one, Braden Schneider putting up points. Ronan Seeley, who I wrote off, playing great. Connor McLennan, who I was saying, fuck, this kid, I was so high on him and he had such a terrible start, is scorching hot right now. (laughs) So I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. Uh, But yeah, like, I I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. But you, you better come with something more than, well, in my opinion, I, I don't really care. Unless I'm asking you for your opinion, like, I don't really, like, I, I care if you're going to be respectful. I don't care when you come in guns blazing. But I'll see guys do their rankings and they'll be down on someone because of X, yet they'll be high on someone else and I'm looking at it and saying they're the exact same player, you're just pulling for one guy more than the other. Like, I'll have my biases, but rank your players with your head, not your heart. And that's my thing with Cole Caulfield. You know, I can rip apart that kid's game to no end. And it's not to say he can't make it. Like, I had him 16th on my list last season. I didn't have him 60th. I had him 16th. I had him slightly down from where others had him. Most had him 5 to 10. Some had him as high as top 5. Which is absurd. 5 to 10, okay, I'll listen to you. I don't agree, but I'll listen to you. I had him 16th. But, like, who doesn't pull for Cole Caulfield? Like, he's a 5'7 kid who's a pure sniper. Like, everyone loves that type of player. Fuck, man, when I was a kid growing up watching Theron Flurry, and remember, I'm a short dude. For those who don't know me to see me, I'm a short, I'm only 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, I'm a short dude. You don't think I pull for short guys? Kevin Hart's my favorite comedian, man. Come on. He's not, but... <laughs> um. But yeah, like everyone loves a player like that. I'm not saying I, I, I root for you know, Alex DeBrinket. I'm pulling for that guy. But everyone prior to the World Juniors thought that Cole Caulfield was going to tear that per- tournament apart. Now again, I'm going to say, I'm going to point out what I said earlier, which is World Juniors, you don't shit on the bad performances. A lot of variables go into that tournament. So don't shit on... 
the tournament or on what happens in the tournament. I'm not writing off Cole Caulfield because of what I saw in the tournament. Others might. Others might have a totally brand new opinion on him. I'm not writing him off. I, I had him lower than most, but I'm not going to write him off either. But at the same time, he didn't have a goal in regulation. His one goal was three-on-three three against a depleted Czech team that barely avoided the relegation round. If you're just being honest with Cole Caulfield, and I feel like I'm consistent on all these snipers, all these shoot-first, high-volume guys that maybe Al Mitchell, a.k.a. Low Tide, <laughs> that the, they seem to love Tolvanen, Owen Tippett, Cole Caulfield, Oliver Wallstrom is another one. I took the bait on Oliver Wallstrom a little more than I wanted to. But, like, the truth is, Caulfield, he's a one-trick pony who doesn't skate well and is terrible away from the puck. And then you'll get the guy who will scream, 14 teams passed on him because he's small. You're fucked, Grandpa. That is such an outdated thing. Like, it's just it just doesn't happen anymore. You can pass on a guy because of, Certain traits if he's small. But it's like these people now they'll they'll scream that, you know, a guy like Cole Caulfield falls to fifteen, in their mind falls to fifteen, and it, it, oh, it's cause he's small. He, he can't skate. Like he does one thing. He gets open, well, I guess two things. He he gets open for top ten draft picks that might be centering him. And who are all terrific playmakers. And he has a hell of a shot. Well, in the NHL, there's not near the space there is in the USHL or in college hockey or in international ice services. And that's another thing with Cole Caulfield. Notice that wasn't, uh, that wasn't your uh, typical, that wasn't your Olympic ice surface, I should say. I don't know another way to put it. International ice surface. I don't think there's really technically an international ice surface, but it's it was an Olympic size ice that they're playing on in the Czech Republic. And he has trouble to score. Hmm. In the NCAA, and I believe I'm not completely sure, but the U.S. Development Program. That's mostly what they play on. U18s last year. That's what they were playing on. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. The NHL, he's not going to have that space. So that's terrific that he can get off that shot. But other than the power play, when when five on five is he going to be able to play his game? His game is floating, waiting for the shot, waiting to find that open ice. The other thing is, too, that's not going to fly well with coaches. And again, contrary to popular belief, I am pulling for the kid. I like watching him play. He is fun to watch play hockey. I am not adverse to fun. But if we're putting our scouting caps on, let's be consistent. And let's, 
know what we, you know, let's be honest about what we see. Cole Caulfield is very much so a boomer bust prospect. You know, I, I honestly, watching them or, you know, thinking about it in the year, half a year since, I might rather have Lavoie, who is a much more well-rounded player who also has a terrific shot. I might rather have that guy than Caulfield. No, I have Caulfield ranked ahead of Lavoie on last year's list because I had concerns about Lavoie's motor. And there's no concern with Caulfield's motor. But, yeah, man, consistency. Like, and the, the thing that I was ranking Cole Caulfield last year was consistent. You know, the shoot first guys when they come up, they don't do well. You know, you look at guys who were snipers over the years, go back and look at their assist totals coming up. Their assist totals were always there. Who's the, who's the guy that Caulfield got most compared to last year? Alex DeBrincat. What did Alex DeBrincat do in junior? He had high assist totals as well as being a complete player or a total sniper, I should say. Sorry, that was worded very poorly. Uh, yeah, DeBrincat was proving he could dish the puck and, and do other things. Cole Caulfield so far has not proven that. So we'll see. We'll see. But my problem with Cole Caulfield, I won't like be pulling against the kid if he makes it or pulling against him to make it. Nothing like that. But I do get my ass a little chapped when guys just are openly rooting for a guy instead of and, and can't really see that. Like, come on. You seriously expect NHL teams to grab a kid who does like one thing well in the top five of a draft? Come on. Like, come on. You're talking about you're talking about teams who need franchise players and you want them to take a one trick pony whose you know game is you know it it would be described in the nineties as a junior game. Now scouting in the nineties was fucked. But <laughs> Like, that's, he plays a junior game. He does not play a pro game in any way. 115 goals sure sounds great. 72 goals, however you want to dice it up with uh, Caulfield. That sounds great. But scout him. And, and you know, he's polarizing in Oilerland because a lot of people thought the Oilers should have taken him in eighth instead of the guy they did, which is Broberg. And Broberg didn't do much at the World Juniors. And I wasn't a fan of the Broberg pick. The guy I wanted was Zgras. But, like, just calm down for a minute on Broberg. And remember, I saw David Staples put it out on Twitter this morning. He was asking people what they thought of him because he didn't get to see him much. And some of the responses drove me nuts because people have no clue what they're talking about the prospects. One guy said something along the lines of, Oh, it's a red flag. He didn't get any power play time. No, it is a red. Fl- it is not a red flag. It would be a red flag for the Swedish coaching staff if they ever thought to not have Rasmus Sandin or Nicholas Lundqvist on that top power play unit. P. 
People need to understand what kind of prospect they're getting. Philip Broberg is a project. I will beat this into the ground, and I have since day one. He is a project. He has all the tools right now, but he is nowhere near a finished pro- <laughs> a finished player. He's not polished. He looked decent moving the puck. That is a huge positive. We know how great of a skater he is, along with great size. Philip Broberg, to me, safely projects to be a Jay Bomeister type. Jay Bomeister is not great with the puck, but he can move it. He has great size and phenomenal skating. That looks like Broberg. But Broberg is going to, for me, Broberg needs another year in Sweden next year, followed by one, if not two years in the AHL. You talk about players that can't be rushed. Philip Broberg should not be rushed. I think of two guys who the Oilers rushed, who kind of are similar prospects, though they're not, they were forwards. And they have similar names. Magnus Pyarvi and Yassi Pugliarvi. Guys who had all the tools. Pugliarvi specifically needed to stay over in Finland at least for his first year. Did not. Do not know why. Stupid on the part of the Edmonton others. They brought him over. Okay, well, he'll spend the year in Bakersfield. Or at the time, maybe was it OKC? Anyway, wherever it was, nope, nope, rushed him onto the club. Okay, well, maybe leave him down there. Now that you burned off his ELC year, um, stupid, but put him in, in the AHL for the year. Let's see how he is next year. Wasn't ready the next year, got panicked, brought him up. Yes, a Pugliarvi should have spent his first year, his draft plus one year in Finland, his draft plus two year in the AHL. And then should have been being looked at for the NHL. And if he had a big issue with going to the AHL, then leave him in Finland another year. That's Broberg right now. Broberg needs time. Don't fuck this up. I do think think that Ken Holland is going to give him time. I mean, Ken Holland's given everybody time. Ken Holland's given Tyler Benson time when Tyler Benson doesn't look like he needs time or any more time. Uh, The other prospect before I get done this, I need to get done this. It's lunch. I need to put this out for your viewing or, sorry, listening pleasure this afternoon. Terrible podcast, I know. It was my first one back. Cut me a little slack. Um, Matai Blumel. Blumel. I don't know how you say it. I know it's Matai. 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 Matai Blumel. The only reason I know it's Matai pronounced properly Matei is because Thomas 
fuck, what is his last name? <laughs> Mirza? Miraza? Can't remember now. Their sixth round pick last year. Speaks perfect English, even though he's from the Czech Republic. And he's best friends with Matei. And <laughs> anyway, that's how I know. Um, yeah, he did nothing to inspire fans, and he might be a steal of a fourth-round pick. But, you know, we'll see. He's, he's a long ways off, but the fact is he's a long ways off as a 2000-born. <sighs> yeah, I do not get the Oilers drafting last year at all. It's painful. Anyway, okay. I'm done. I hope you enjoy this. Big night tonight for the Oilers. Looking to do top 30, like what I'm looking to do more so this year, and I've said this since the start of the hockey season, but hasn't really come to fruition to this point, but looking to do more podcasts on my top 32 or top prospects in general. That'll get beyond top 32 eventually here, but to cut out the writing, it's so much easier to just talk about these kids rather than write it all out. So looking to do podcasts to accompany my blogs. Uh, so watch out for some of that shit. I'm hoping here this year, 2020, believe it or not, I'm hoping to finally turn this into a business. And with it becoming a business comes more equipment to do more podcasts, maybe do some guests, maybe have... You know, a few guys who can come on and just shoot the shit about the Oilers, shoot the shit about, you know, maybe the World Juniors, shoot the shit about hockey in general. So I'm looking to do that. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. This first podcast this year, not good. Not good. I get that. I can't believe you're still listening to it. But uh, thanks for listening anyway. And uh, I guess if you enjoyed this, see you next time.